The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota. Listen, food brings out the passion in people, so let's talk about food together. Common Ground Minnesota is an online resource for you to do that, and it's 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 run by volunteer women farmers from Minnesota of all walks. We're talking big farms, small farms, we're talking dairy, we're talking produce. These women in agriculture are growing and raising the food that we all eat. We love to have a chat with them about what it, what it means to be sustainable, and what does it mean when they're using pesticides, and why are they doing it. All of this is available at Common Ground Minnesota website. It's commongroundminnesota.com. And then on that new website, you guys, there are videos, there's you know FAQs, there's topics, there's a great blog, all sorts of things, and recipes. And farm dogs, too, by the way. So there you go. Commongroundminnesota.com is your great resource for everything food and families and farms. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at commongroundminn. Nom, nom, nom on with the my talk chicks and we will eat on eat on the weekly dish dish we have been researching our instant pot lids over the break and i think we gave you good advice (laughs) and uh i I was just gonna say everybody gets so freaked out about all the washing stuff well because it's like a machine and it's electric and i I, I get it like i that's probably why mine could use a little bit more (laughs) a little more touch of love like remember that little thing the catch thing that you that sat on the back the little plastic like reservoir do you have do you even have one I don't think so. Remember, like when I we first got it, there was like that little clear that caught like water that would maybe drain out, like when you pull your lid up or something. I don't know, but I don't have that anymore. Yeah, no, I don't have mine. Has a huge dent in it. Oh, because you <laughs> dropped it. I don't know what happened, but it's hugely dented. Oh, and when it comes up to pressure, you can kind of hear a. Curl. Oh, mine is like yeah. <laughs> I definitely, you guys, yeah. My Bowie is a little, like, I was so angry at it the other day because I was trying to time the pot roast and the potatoes. And I was like, I, and I forgot to make potatoes. And I thought, I'll just do that in the Instant Pot. It'll be so fast. And it was not fast. Yeah. Use like a cup of water next time. All right. It is the time of the show where we tell you two things that we're obsessed with this week. It is the top two in hour two. Give me the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. All right. Do you want me to go first? Okay, please. Well, mine is going to lead into your topic for the next discussion, but um, it's basically what I did for this pot roast. And the fact that I made pot roast this week and I felt like I needed, I needed, I was totally seeking comfort, you guys. Totally seeking comfort for food. And pot roast is what I wanted my house to smell like and I wanted all parts of it. So... And I found that, I, but I didn't want to do it the way that I've always done it, which is just, like, we're laughing about how I always have to twist and, you know, move things around, because um, I get bored. So 
I did this and I'm going to do this again. I bought this uh, Union Kitchen Szechuan coffee rub. It's a, I have it. Do you? Yes. You need to do this. <laughs> this is, you can buy it from them. It's, I think it's still on their website. I bought it. I got it with my Thai bucket grill. It came with it. They also have umami salt, but this was, I mean, you could make it yourself. I could, pro- we could probably hit up Yia and find out what's exactly in it, but it's, it's not super hot. It's not like this thing, but it has a definite coffee umami to it and i rubbed the pot roast with that on both sides and then i did a quick sear you know i do sear on one side and then i flip it and do a quick sear on the other and then i cooked it in the prize peace coffee beer and so i had a coffee stout and a coffee rub and i was like this might be too much it was not too much it was probably the best pot roast i've ever made have we talked about that beer no, I don't think we have because I, we only just it only just came out. Yeah, and I think you know why I'm thinking we talked about it because we had a show. We had a Saturday. Maybe it was even last Saturday that I wore the hat. Yeah, it was last Saturday. Yeah, and after the show, it was really nice out. Oh, and I went home and I was working on the cookbook and I had the prize uh, piece coffee stout and I opened it up and I drank it and I was like, this is one of the best coffee beers I've ever had. It is. It you was fantastic. Really and it's made with that Peace Coffee Yeti yep. coffee, which also has was around all winter and people were really excited about it. Great, great collaboration. It's cold press. Yeah, it's made with beer. It's a beer made with cold press. I, I got to tell you, it was it is spectacular. I did. I got two cans, one I cooked with and the other one I drank. And yeah, I, I really it is beer. if you're looking for a really good and I do find that not just because of St. Patrick's Day and Guinness and stouts and all the rest that I do find that like I don't want that in the wintertime. I am looking for those coffee stouts now. It's interesting because it's a great brunch beer or like a Saturday afternoon beer. Yeah, I did drink. I was drinking while I was cooking. And so that was and I was kind of feeling like that's not like I knew the flavor was great, but I didn't really want it at that time. Mm -hmm. But I do. I have to tell you that that. And also, here's my thing for a pot roast. And if you are going to cook with beer, you do need to water it down like or add stock as well. Like you have to have because that beer evaporates so quickly that you're, if you're going three hours with your pot roast in the oven, you know, covered that it is going to like it is going to it's going to disappear. And then your pot roast is going to be a little tougher. So if you add water or stock with this beer, you're still going to get the flavor and you're still going to get. We're uh, going to talk about pot roast in the next right. segment a lot. <laughs> So I'm going to move on and tell you a great, simple recipe. Okay. It is Alice Waters. It is from her cookbook, Simple, How to Cook Simple. And it's just a potato gratin. And I make this with a lot of cream at Christmas time. And we have big scallop potatoes and ham at Easter. But this is, it's, it's just a simple recipe. You just layer potatoes in a buttered baking dish You can put garlic in it if you want. You put a little bit of cream or you can even use milk and throw a little thyme on the top and a little Parmesan or Swiss just to give it a little brownie on the top and you bake it in the oven. I make this a lot. And then I was at Dolores's the other day and we were having dinner and she made it. And I was like, yours is better. And it's better because it's less cream. It's less liquid and it's just more simple. Okay. And the simplicity really lets the potatoes shine. Okay. And she was like, well, it's just that Alice Waters recipe. I'm sure you've used it a million times. I was like, yeah, I forgot about it, though. And it's good. This Alice Waters Simple Cookbook, it's yellow with a red binding. Mm -hmm. It's just really a good, basic cookbook for how to cook simply delicious food. Yeah. No, it's true. Roast chicken, just basic stuff that's good. 
Well, I think if you start to rely on, and that is a thing, because like, like I said, I I messed up something this last week. I think I talked about it last week, the, the kielbasa cassoulet, where like I yes. had this idea that I could do this and it did not work out. And that's the thing where it's like, sometimes you have to go back to the basics. Like I'm for sure making Sunday bolo tomorrow and I need to kind of go back to bolognese, you yeah. know, and start there. And then I can kind of recalibrate. All right. Since our top two is sort of overlapping each other, here was mine. I also had the Lift Bridge and five watt Irish coffee beer this week. Oh, did you? Yeah. So I've been thinking about Irish coffee and thinking about beers, and it was great. It was in a big uh, crowler. It was. Um, it wasn't as rich as the prize and the um, uh, peace coffee? coffee. Yeah, but it was delicious nonetheless, and it had kind of that more of a Irish coffee whiskey sort of feel to it. Yep. And I liked it. And they are serving that in the tap room at Liftbridge. And um, you can get it in liquor stores, too. Okay. And to be clear, I just want to make sure that uh, you guys know that the prize brewing is called their, it's called Peace Offering. That's what their cough, that's what the stout is. If you're looking for it, it's called Peace Offering um, for that. So, and um, so delicious. And it's so delicious. Okay. So my second one is actually going to be Suki and Mimi because I actually got to go oh. and hang out with Ann Kim and, experience a little bit of that vegetarian tasting meal the and nine course did you have it i did and i gotta tell you gosh i'm just so jealous I mean, right now it's I, hard to even i didn't post anything um because i just sort of i don't know it's just it's a really you guys here's the deal i feel like vegetables you know often get that weird um treatment where it's like a side dish and i know that like honestly the chefs have really done a great job of embracing vegetables but this tasting menu was beyond beautiful and it was so wonderful to be in a space like that and to have the ceremony of that to have the ceremony of being like a server coming to your table and talking to you about the things and you know describing things and giving you history and context and you know and it was it was just marvelous and it was wonderful to have those bites and things put together and it reminds me of why we go out because I can't make that yeah (laughs) I could not make that beautiful agua chile, which was, I mean, I'm sure I could. It would be really hard and take me a really long time. And then I don't think it still would be as technically beautiful as that was. And it just was that thing where I had a moment of like really appreciating restaurants again. Yeah. And really appreciating everything that they've battled to through to stick around and to, to persevere. And to you not just fold that. it. Because I was feeling very verklempt yesterday as people on Facebook were posting pictures, people like Scott Pampoo and posting pictures of them getting vaccinated and the restaurant folks that have kept us going. The frontline workers obviously have been vaccinated. Now the teachers have been vaccinated. And these frontline workers, you've been we've been going into these restaurants trying to feed our families, and I really appreciate them. And it was very heartwarming to see. It's I got to tell you, I am, and and I'm happy for us to be like we're trying to like I've got a couple people like they are sending me now. They're like, will you please amplify this place is has vaccinations? Let me you know, and I'm happy to amplify that because I know that we follow have a platform. Minneapolis vaccine hunters on Facebook. But, After our show last week, I got texts that a couple yeah. people got vaccinated because yeah, of it. And actually, and I. I think the way that I got one for Jake, um, who was a line, you know, a prep cook, he, we got it. I got it off of the vaccine spotters. Mm-hmm. So 
and that one is a website, Vaccine Spotters, and there's a link to it in the feed this week, you guys. So for sure, I put as many sources in there that I could. And that's one of those ones that refreshes. And I thought it's great for food workers because you, if you look late at night, it's yeah, you get the appointments are opening up around like 10 or 11. So that really helps. Okay. Yeah. And then we're getting closer. And if you haven't been vaccinated yet and you're feeling vaccine, what is it called when you're jealous? Because I get that too. Yeah, I understand. It's coming. It's coming. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Call Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee. And- all right, everybody. You know, we talk all about the delicious food that we make and things are going so good all the time until it doesn't. You had a fail last week, Stephanie. I had a fail. And I was like, why am I the only person that cannot make pot roast? I don't know. I am so verklempt by this because I don't understand. And I keep thinking, like, we're going to be able to talk it out. And I'm going to be able to figure it out and fix it for you. And yet, we've done this. I don't know. I don't know. So here's what happened. So first of all, my mom made pot roast every single Sunday night for dinner. Yes. Okay? Pot roast, boiled potatoes, carrots, celery, gravy. And I loved it. But then you had it every single week. And it was like, oh, Sunday pot roast again. Yeah. And then my mom died and years went by and I was like, oh, I just would really love my mom's pot roast. So I thought I'll just try to make it. I couldn't find the right recipe. One of the recipes that I use that I am posting here, Ina Garten's got a classic company pot roast, but it has tomatoes. So while it was good, it wasn't the same pot roast as like what my mom made because my mom didn't use tomatoes. Then you know, Dolores, we have Sunday dinner with Dolores, who's Kurt's mom, and she makes a fantastic pot roast. And it does taste like my mom. So I'm like, well, Dolores can make pot roast. Why can't I make pot roast? Then coincidentally, I met Cup Foods and there's a, 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 a special on Chuck Roast. So I'm like, oh, pot roast. OK, I'm going to try again. Yeah. I get the pot roast. I am watching yours. <laughs> and I'm like, Stephanie's <laughs> making pot roast. How funny is this that we're making the same thing on the same day? I was going to do like a Mississippi roast, which is the jar of pepperoncini with the liquid with the chuck roast in a slow cooker. And it makes this just delicious like stewed meat, like a barbacoa, or you can use it just as chuck roast with mashed potatoes. Have you ever done it? No, it's this is so a Mississippi good. roast. You're it's talking? called Mississippi yeah, roast. Yeah, we've talked about this a bunch and I've still never times. done it, mostly because that I don't I mean, I'm interested to find that how that works with that vinegary it's so good acidity but this is so this is what i'm trying to wonder about okay so i was gonna make that but i went to the store i got my big chuck roast i was all excited i forgot to buy the pepperoncinis got it so there i am and i'm looking in my refrigerator and i'm not going back to the store to do this and i'm gonna make pot roast i see craft and vine picklery and i had just done a huge bloody mary segment and i was like i have all these pickles yes well, beef remouladen, which is the German pickles rolled around or flank steak rolled around pickles and a gravy works. Mm-hmm. Remoulade. Remoulade. So I was like, I think I can do this. So I browned my roast in the instant pot. I took it out. I put a layer of onions in there, some garlic cloves. I put the roast back in. I also had a packet of ranch dressing because we had had it's right, national you have ranch so month. much ranch dressing. So our friends at Potluck gave us some ranch dressing. So I was like, okay, a packet of ranch dressing is always in a recipe for pot roast. Can't hurt. So I put that in there and I put a tablespoon of dill, just dried dill, because I want it real dilly. And I pour the 
snack dill snackers, craft and vinery pickles over the roast with all the juice. And then I had to add some water. I added like three cups of water. So now it's all in the instant pot. It's getting, it's ready to go. Turn it on, slow cook on the instant pot. Six and a half hours later, I come back ready to like, I've got my, the mashed potatoes are done. I'm ready to go. It is so tough. You cannot even believe it. And I cut a piece of meat off and like, it's inedible. Is it tough? Isn't it still solid? Like when you cut it, did it, did it, you I know couldn't even it, like, cut it. it I was shreds? chiseling it back and forth to cut it. So that, no, no so shredding, that, okay. no nothing. So, so Kurt says he comes over and he's like, oh yeah, we can't eat this. And he goes, your pot's not hot enough. So I don't know why, but slow cooker on the instant pot didn't get hot enough or isn't hot enough. And you can't really adjust the temperature that I know of. So now I'm like, okay, well, we can't eat this. So we make Jack's pizzas and I take the, I'm, I'm just frustrated. And he goes, well, just cook it in your slow cooker overnight. Like, yes. So I take the roast. I put it in my other crock pot, my slow cooker crock crock pot. pot, Yep. And I put the roast in there with all the juices and the sauces and everything that was in it. And all night long, the dog is pacing because she can smell it. it. And I can smell it. And I'm thinking, is it like, is is there a fire? Like just the smell of food feels like you left the oven on or it causes anxiety. Yeah. So finally I get up and I open the lid. And now this thing is cooked for what, 16 hours? Yeah. It was the best pot roast I've ever made. Yeah. And by this time, whatever happened with that pickle juice and the ranch dressing and the dill snacker chips... It was like a beautiful gravy. Well, yeah, it, it should was, be like that. Isn't it normally like that? Well, a lot of times it's runny and it's oh. watery and you have to thicken it. Like there was no thickening. It was just delicious. Well, with the ranch, I wonder if that did a little bit of that. So I take the roast out and it's now like hunks of big, shreddy, delicious meat. I take the jus and I put it in the refrigerator for the day because we're not going to eat it till dinner time. And then it had the fat skim on the top, and I was Mm -hmm. able to scoop that off with a spoon. I put the roast back in a cast iron skillet when it was time to eat, and I poured the gravy that I had over it, heated it up in the oven. It was literally like the best pot roast I've ever made in my whole life. Wow. And so amazing. So I guess I would like for you to try to do it in the oven. Like for just a three hour thing, not a six hour thing, just because I don't understand. I mean, I guess like gadgets, that's what I feel like is part of the problem. Like my gadgeting. Yeah, I think it would just be nice to know if you tried exactly what you tried with the instant pot. You just did that in a regular pot in half the time in three hours. Yeah, it was because I it cooked so long. I mean, you would have thought it would have been shoe leather. And I get why, like. People want to do this like six hour thing. I get that if you're going to work slow. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to work and you want to come home, but I mean, since none of us are going, this is kind of my point. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) So why not start it at three o'clock, you know, in the afternoon and then let it go for three hours. When I come back from my trip, I'm going to do it again because I do need to test. Well, I put the recipe up that I used and I'm going to, what is your, are you recommending that people (laughs) I put eight to 10 hours? Oh, because it's an overnight. But I don't know what you've already, you already cooked it in some form in the Instant Pot. Yeah. So this is the weird thing. Well, slow cooker. Yeah. Instant Pot. I think you need to read. That wasn't hot enough. 
But I'm going to test it again. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that differs for you. If you just do it in the oven. I The pickles, you guys. Oh, Hope's gonna, Hope, did you have something to add? Oh, she's just listening. The pickles were like, they were so soft, but still pickly, like kind of tasty and delicious little morsels. And you would think it would be weird yeah, I, to have the pickles and the beef. It wasn't. It was well, so good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I we used to have, yeah. We had rouladen. That's yes. what you're thinking, not remoulade. Rouladen. Rouladen. And uh, from my Oma used to make those for us. And I always thought it was weird with having pickles and your beef together in a weird way. It. And now, of course, I appreciate the heck out of it. And um, But, yeah, mine. I tend to go more... Um, I, t- I don't ever have, like, that acid in there. And that's what's interesting to me because, really, what we're doing is, you know, it's breaking down the, the meat. Yeah, it's breaking down the tissues. And that's what I don't understand... Why yours was so tough after six hours? Beyond. If it went around, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know stuff. Because you can dry out, you know? And, it, yeah, there was no drying but out. You're saying it, it wasn't was a dry. floating it just hunk was. of shoe leather. And, and that I, to me, and like, I don't know. And then the next day that it was fantastic. Oh, we're wrapping up. We'll be back. <laughs> Hello, Weekly Disher. Spring has sprung, and that means the best tasting wild caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because you see, Sitka Salmon is a community supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They eat even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka Salmon Share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. When you only got a hundred years to live. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, a couple weeks ago, was it last week? It was last week. <laughs> it's is hard that, to keep track. Is that the way this goes? I think it is still a funky timeline. But uh, last week you had talked about, yeah, it was about the grocery store habits. Yes, and, and we, how our habits have changed in pandemic shopping. Yes, and how we are shopping different and i think that this is one of those weird weekends this is the weird weekend but you can definitely find so many articles popping right now about like how we've changed i mean like this is like the beginning of the retrospective if you will yes analyzing where we've come in a year and and all this kind of stuff and where we're going and i'm all for it i really am um but one of the things you said and i think you said it off air i don't think we were talking about it on air and then i came across an article about it but it was about how not only has your shopping changed, but the way you eat has changed. And that, because we were talking about how you're cooking for who and everything else, the idea that that the American ideal of three meals a day is out the window. Yes. What do you and think? I mean, like... Well, because what I was telling you is I eat one meal a day, but yeah. that's partially... And if you hear pounding in the background, I'm sorry. I don't it's think like anybody can hear The handyman is here. Yeah. Um, 
I eat one meal a day because I kind of do that intermittent fasting situation. It's not as intentional as it used to be, but I generally stop eating, you know, I eat dinner and I eat a massive dinner and then I go to bed and then I don't eat again the next day until dinner. Like maybe in the late afternoon, I'll have a handful of nuts, but that's about it. Yeah. I just eat one meal a day. But that's not because you're timing yourself and you're doing this like. No, but it started out that I was timing myself and I was having broth for lunch and. You know, I when I was whole 30, I was eating eggs for breakfast and salads for lunch and then protein for dinner. This just has sort of settled in to be something that feels I like food. I like dinner. I like <laughs> yeah, cooking I'm hoping dinner. you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I if I'm feeling hungry, like and occasionally I do feel hungry, maybe I'll have a, some yogurt or something. But generally, I just eat one meal a day. I just eat dinner. So there's a great article in The Atlantic, and uh, it was written by uh, Amanda Mall, And it's a really interesting take about and she calls hers, she calls it big meal. And she's like, you know, <laughs> I she's like, I quasi purposefully fumbled around for a new routine. And eventually I came up with some weird but workable results and with big meal. And the idea is that, you know, we put ourselves into these three meals a day category. We're raised to believe in breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then and that is from the farm. Right. It is completely a societal thing that was constructed to form you know, against around a workflow um, and people. And I will tell you in Germany, you know, my my family's history of eating and food that they talk about was historically the German big meal was lunch. Like mm-hmm. they all come home from work and eat a big meal together. Supper. Yeah. And it's like and then they go back and then when they come back for, you know, when they are done with work, it's small little bitsy, you know, things. So they had had it flipped for most of their you know, lives and now and but the American way is to have breakfast and then we have a lunch that gets us through the workday and then we have big meal, big meal, big a dinner. giant dinner. But the interesting thing is about, of course, how our entire society has been flipped and turned and changed right now. And, and the way that we perceive what we're supposed to be doing and how we fit together and how our lives fit into what we're doing has changed. And this is what interesting to me because she said the same thing that you did, which is basically, um, you know, and you and I had talked about Kurt because you are making a meal for Kurt. Like it's always like, uh, I got to do the thing. I'm the cooker. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I and I and I have other friends who are like, all they're doing is making meals for their children and that's stressing them out three times a day. Yeah. They're like, well, I have to do. I've been making bacon every morning. I'm like every morning. Yeah. Bacon and eggs for the morning and what? then lunches, you know, quesadillas or a sandwich or I'm like, I'm if you like, tell them that. to get some food themselves. Well, and for me, you know, I'm graced to have a, a kid who knows how to cook his his own stuff, but also be like. We're also on different timelines. You know what I mean? Like I get up and I, you know, do my thing and I'm either right away on work stuff or maybe I go for a quick run or, you know, and he's got different and now he's back at school. And and a lot of the school kids have a pretty different schedule. Yeah. And so there's no way that I can possibly work a breakfast and lunch, nor should I, because quite honestly, dude is 18. So and and food is my love language. So this is what we do still every day. What's for dinner? Like, you know, and she was saying it really interesting that she said that, uh, (laughs) um, you know, what's she said? uh, Let me find this. She's like, 
I snack whenever I feel like it. Triscuits with slices of pepper jack, leftover hummus from Turkish takeout, you know, that sometimes provides a big meal, but a glob of smooth peanut butter. The phrase started as a joke about my inability to explain to a friend why I was making risotto in the middle of the afternoon or why I didn't have an answer to what's for dinner at 6 p.m. beyond, uh, well, I ate a giant burrito at 11 and I grazed all afternoon, so I think I'm done for the day. So that's it. I mean, I think that that to me, that one statement alone is like, for me now is something very significant of like, that is that is how I've almost always eat, been eating because I eat professionally. And so like, if I knew that I had to have, you know, I was going to a restaurant preview and, a, and, and a, you're having a nine course meal. Yeah. Then I'm not going to probably eat much right. during the daytime. And that to me was always something that I felt was weird about the way that I lived. But now I realize I'm doing that not because I have to, but because that's a very natural way of eating. I think. I think too. The older you get, the less food you need. This I also am finding out from people, not from me, but from other people. I've been hearing that exact thing that, and especially my mom, who is like, she doesn't really feel like cooking anymore. She's like, eh, I give her so much extra food because I still love the process and I still make way too much, you know, bolo and I make way too much yeah. things and I give it to her. You're still cooking for four and I've always cooked for six. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I had six. Too at one point, and then that was like. But I mean, the idea that that um, that it's kind of like, you know, the way that it's convenience driven, right? I mean, that's like a lot of people are eating at lunch because they have to eat because you want a break from your work day. Exactly, it's not necessarily that you're hungry or that, but like the pattern is there so that you can get away for. A few and minutes. it's the socialization with your friends, and yeah. yeah. I like always, you would, or you would be like, or you would grab something and sit at a, you know, like you'd grab donuts or whatever. And, you know, cause yeah, it was there. And then it's breakfast cause right. you have a morning meeting and it's bagels. And I never really worked like that. I always just ate at my desk if I was going to eat. Yeah. I don't know. I want a big meal. I want a meal. I want salad. I want a main course. I want a vegetable side. Like I want a big meal. Yeah. And it's just easy and good to cook big meal for me. Well, I think like, and so the other day I had, uh, I went down when I went down, I did a, you know, a sneak peek for the clover and I went down to Rosemount and I got there at like one o'clock, you know, and I was hanging out interviewing those guys and they brought these beef sandwiches and I found, I was trying the beef sandwiches and I was trying the rice pudding and I was trying all this stuff. And I was like, so by three o'clock, I got home, whatever. I was completely full. Like I was, Jake's like, what are we gonna do for dinner? I'm like, I don't actually think I'm going to eat dinner. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I can't imagine being hungry at this point again today. And that's this weird idea, you know, again, of like figuring all that kind of stuff out, I think is like, but it's like, yeah, okay. That's just I the way we go. I wonder how for you, because you eat professionally is the way you called it. Yeah. And there would be some days where you're writing a feature about fried chicken if you've had to have 10 boxes of fried chicken in your car. Yeah. I wonder for you, because you haven't been eating like that, oh, I, let what me, that's going to feel like to go back to some of that just massive Let me tell you, it's hard. Consider that I just said that I ate that nine-course meal at Young Joe, or uh, Suki and Mimi, and it was all vegetables, and it was all tasting menu, which means that those are like you get one taco and you dip your one mushroom taco. Yep. You know, you get one little tostada. I was beyond full. I was almost uncomfortably yeah. full afterwards. And I was like, I have not felt like this in a long time. It's a weird feeling. And I was sort of like, this is where I'm wondering, like, how do we are we all going back to that? Or are we all I not don't know, going back cause... to that? Because other people are telling me they're eating way more. I don't know. I had a takeout burger and 
you know, normally in a restaurant, I'm a clean plater and I had a takeout burger and the fries and about halfway through, I was just like, this is so big. I can't even eat the rest of this. And Kurt was like, what are you talking about? The bacon cheeseburger? I was like, I know. I don't know. I'm just, it's too much. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe just things have shifted or something. Well, and I was looking for this one quote because this is really interesting. They're saying that largely the way that we eat is a consequence of industrialization. Like what we said, the formalized work day, uh, pre-industrial America was more rural and agrarian, right? So it was more like a two meal um, or and people worked during daylight hours, pausing mid-morning and later in the afternoon. It was more like a two-meal schedule that was based on outdoor physical labor and farm labor. And those meals tended to be quite big. So it was like... Yeah, supper two. and dinner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it was like this idea that you just did these two things. Um, and then as um, over time, more and more Americans were drawn into daily life outside the home, more kids sent to school, housewives, all the rest. And so uh, industrialized food processing began. This is the, of course, you know, I geek out on the sociological stuff, but this is where I think this is so interesting because vanishing commutes, remote schooling, flexibility to make sandwiches during a conference call is going to change the way we eat as a society. And the three meal a day axiom was created to bend human life around the necessity of leaving the home to work elsewhere. And now people are bending it once again around a whole new set of challenges. And I am so interested to watch this and how it's going to change. Not only remember how we buy food, like what you were saying, but also how we how we expect food with the delivery kind of situations, the restaurant cultures, the way we eat. If we're not going to do these 10 course tasting menus anymore, what does that mean for innovation? I mean, that was a, that was definitely the moment we were in were these tasting menus. And I think for me, I don't know yet because I haven't eaten in a restaurant in a year, but what I want to go back for, like, do I want to go back for a cheeseburger and fry experience? Yes, I do. But I know I'll split it. I won't like, I just, I won't eat as much. But the second part of that is, do I, I, I mean, I'm a person that spent $20,000 a year on food. Okay. That's it's yeah. basically my life. Yeah. Um, do I want to go back to that? Or do I just want to like have a good, beautiful meal once a month and then just continue on this process of cooking? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. Everything is, and that's. And I would like to drink less. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, and you know, your body is a routine. You know what I mean? Yes. Like whatever you set for yourself in that routine, then it starts to crave those things. That's why when they say, like, if you get up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep, don't go eat, because then your body will start to expect to be hungry. Yeah. And be fulfilled like at three a.m. I have to tell that to the to the eighteen year old. Your dog gets up. <laughs> yeah. The legend of of the pacing dog yes. for you is big. We have this. This is a set iconic moment. <laughs> so anyway, there's this really interesting article, and I kind of want you guys to yeah I'll put it up. And it's the Atlantic. I hope that you can still get access to that. If not, let me know, um, and I can <laughs> I can scrape it and send it to you. <laughs> but anyway, as we look forward, I'm going to continue to watch these things. It'll be interesting. So we'll be right back. This is the weekly dish. Madonna. That was such a great record, like a prayer. Was it? Yes, it was. It was. Uh, Steph and I have been talking, kind of, we talked about how dining and eating is different and our people changing their eating habits from a sociological perspective. And as we continue on with that thread, I do think people are changing their lives in pretty profound ways. 
that we are going to look back on this time and really see some trends and patterns that are hard for us to see now. One of which we got an email. So Governor Walls is saying that beginning, I think it's April 15th, people can go back to working in office environments. And we got an email right away from our boss saying, you know, we're looking forward to having everybody back. We're working through what the protocols will be and everyone can come back to the office. And then I was thinking, okay, well, in you're hearing all about these people around the country that have moved, that have been still working for their companies, but they've moved to other locations. And some people haven't told their employers they've moved. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, there's people that moved or people that are working in Key West. People well, I that hear have, that. Like, go sit at your parents' house in Key West for sure. I just, I think it's interesting that all of a sudden it's going to be all these people called back to work and are people wanting to go back to work? Are they wanting to go into the same environments? Are they like some people I think are going to just totally switch careers because they're like, I don't think I can continue. If, If you don't go back into an office setting and our life is still six Zoom calls a day. Some people just cannot do that. They're sick I of cannot it. do that. Yeah, they're not going to. I don't want to keep having my job being six hours a day staring at a screen. I really hate looking at myself on the Zoom call. I feel so old. Oh, like I feel I've like my face is old. years in this time. I feel like I have wrinkles that I didn't have before. Yeah. My hair is weird. I'm in sister wife territory because it's so long. Yeah. Like staring at yourself in a Zoom is really gross. No, it's a lot. Well, and then it becomes like, then it becomes you managing your face and managing everything else. And then it's, I think that takes away from your brain work and everything else. I have a hard time with it, but I do miss the collaborative creativity Uh of my colleagues. And we've all talked about that, about how I used to be able to lean back in my chair and shout to Drew and be like, what are we going to do for the twins this year? You know, like, how should we do this and have like this quick on the moment We don't have that. And I miss that. And I also miss, you know, just like sitting down with my art directors and looking at sketches and being like, no, no, how about this? And how about this? And we do it on the screen, but it's hard. Are people going to fly? Are people going to travel like traveling salespeople, people that traveled every week? Oh, I believe that for sure. Do you think that's just going to like the button's going to get pushed and people are just going to, I mean, I know people will fly for leisure travel, but do you think companies are going to be sending people all over the country in the same way that they were? Now that Zoom no, has become money, so easy. For money-wise, I don't think they will. I think because of it's a, it's a budget item. And that's where and this all comes wise, down to, where like your company, whether or not you're ready or not, I think most places are like, well, I mean, the whole Target announcement of like, we're not going back to city a center. Third of the Target employees are not going to be working downtown anymore. And that affects, I mean, like, you know, lots of people were saying how, uh, you know, it's like the happy hours. What I've been hearing from restaurateurs are like, well, Target was the happy hour business of downtown Minneapolis, like all those people, they built the happy hours. And so like that affects, it's a trickle down and that's weird. But at the same time, from a company perspective, I get it. If you're not, if that's office space is extraneous expense that you don't need, why are you holding on to it? So that's what everything is going to have to change in that way. I look at our offices here and we have like all of these cubes kind of where everybody's got their individual desk and Already, we probably have 20 cubes in the MyTalk area. And the only people that actually have desks are Lori and Julia. And, you know, there's a few managers, but the rest of the desks just kind of sit open and empty. And someone, I mean, this could be reconfigured to do much different type of work, right? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, and for us, it's weird because this is, we come in, we sit in a studio and we leave. This yeah. is not, we don't have anything else to do here. But do you, what do you need? Like, do you need a cubby hole? Do you yeah. need like, will there be desks where you just have like a three file drawer that you can lock that I think, you can push around and. Yeah. I think the virtual space, which is actually something that was coming in the before, you know what I mean? There was, we actually toured some office spaces and looked at things um, from a you know research perspective, and it was uh, and you know there's like ad agencies and, and and plenty of creative agencies that were like here it's a virtual desk like you don't need to keep things at the office and if you do there's like a locker or a cubby and then you just whatever desk is open that day that's where you go sit. I do think though too it could be the exact reverse, Stephanie, where people have been so virtual and so remote that we want to get back into a a more set more structured environment another pandemic could be coming you know we don't know and so people are going to be more prepared yeah. and have more closed off spaces that aren't so communally shared well and that was you know the big thing with the millennials was all about collaboration and open spaces and then they found that the beginning it was gen z was saying we just give me my own space let me do my own work let me like i don't want to be responsible for your stuff and so i think in a weird way that is a lot of what is coming too is like we were being told like you have to think about like we have to think about if we're having a collaborative brain session you know brainstorming session then who how you know who sits where are we six feet apart from each other like all of that is a consideration for how you build out an office space then. Mm-hmm. and so you know it, it all of that has to come into play and just how much diversity is in an, an ecosystem is changed without the downtown worker like will there be the farmer's market in downtown or will it move to another location where will the hub and spoke be will people be more i do one thing that's been excellent has been the outdoors have been so much more utilized our parks and so are we going to now have better food options at the lakes and at parks i noticed that de Mesca, they had a new rendering of that space mm-hmm. are we going to continue to be more outdoors are we going to continue to be more well, I think it's sure. Outside I mean, in the winter. Yeah, I think that was emphasized more. I don't think we ever weren't. You know what I mean? I, but I do think that we have, it is has definitely the emphasis has there changed. There were 100 people on Burnside Lake ice fishing two weeks ago. Never in my life seen that. Yeah. And I mean, it was like, where did all these people even come from? Usually right. you'd see like eight hearty people out there with their, you know, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, and I do think that, but you also have to remember for downtown, they have spent years building apartments down there, and there are a lot of residential, you know, humans down there. And, and so maybe that's what it'll become, I residence think and not business. I think it'll have to be that balance, but I definitely think that there is more, because then if you have people living, you still have to have the amenities that support their life. And so those will be helpful. And especially if they're there and working there and staying there instead of, you know, like, and then leaving to go somewhere else. Right. right. So, but I do think that there's, you know, I do think that it will change our downtown and they have a lot of, I'm hoping that they work to plan for it. And I hope that they're thinking about it. And we are both frustrated with the city councils and, you know, things. And I know that we have a lot to deal with right now with the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, And so there's a lot of things that people are wondering and waiting and finding. And there's a lot that our city is growing into and of itself. It's an interesting moment to think about that we're in this right now. And in five years, if we look back at this very Mm -hmm. station and this very show, where will that be? It'll be interesting for yeah. sure. So I don't know. And, and will we have a part to play in it, you know, and 
And how do we manifest the things we want from our own cities? And how do we advocate for the things we want? That's all interesting ideas of what power you have. And what's coming next. And what you use it. So that's philosophical, but it there has been go. a year. So that's the, we started on the year away, ended on a year away. It's been a great, a great year. Thanks for